Hey, welcome to the Mostly Skateboarding Podcast. I'm your host, Templeton Elliott, and I'm joined, as always, by Mike Munzmatter and Jason from Frozen and Carbonite. This week on the show, we're talking about elusive skaters like Jake Johnson, who graced us with a few clips this week. Uh, and we're also going to talk about Thrasher's Buster Bail Contest. Last weekend, Thrasher hosted another Buster Bail Contest at a legendary street spot. This time, it was at the Robert Frost Middle School Kinked Handrail. Uh, lots of shit went down, but it was Alex Midler's kickflip backlip that got everybody talking. Uh, Mike, what's all the fuss about? So at the risk of making a Brady Bunch reference in 2019, it's like it's Midler, Midler, Midler? Or was it like that Ardo's trick was all tied up in it? I should probably do a little exposition to explain what, what happened. Like Alex Midler did a kickflip backside lip slide fakie through a double kink rail, which is ridiculous in any terms. But um, I guess, and I learned this through Twitter. I kind of came to it late after the fact, but I guess Ardo Sari, who had back lipped the same rail in his minefield part 10 years ago, like I guess he posted a photo of that and kind of a deep caption on, on the matter too. So I think it was a, it was a clash of like, a new Jack, like Alex Midler, even though he's been on the radar for a long time, like semi-one-upping a verified legend in the skateboard game. And then uh, I think a lot of us watched the the discussion unfold on Twitter, and there were a lot of feelings about, like, contests at street spots and just, you know, what the, what the veracity of such things are. So I think that's it in a nutshell. Did I miss anything, guys? Nah, that's pretty much it. It was kind of like... Uh discussion about like what counts and what doesn't count like does a trick count if you do it at a street spot during a contest and shit like that so yeah that was pretty much it yeah i thought it was interesting the buster bail video uh like the official video from thrasher came out uh today and arto's seen giving alex midler uh knuckle bumps before he actually lands the kickflip back lip so that that feels like an endorsement of of the one up Although I feel like as time goes on, spot loses its value because skateboarding has just gotten so much gnarlier that, you know, at the time, Arto's back lip was nearly unthinkable. And then in 2019, Alex Midler's kickflip back lip is nearly unthinkable. And it's just kind of like how it goes. And tricks happen in a time and, you know, time moves on and so do spots kind of, I guess. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I really don't understand what the big deal was. Like, it's a contest. It's a contest for money. You're trying to do the best tricks you can. Like, I don't know, Mike. You're you're a contest vet. You got like what, like 120th in Tampa Am, like you got the <laughs> 115th, man. So 115th, yeah. So you know what it's like. Your your adrenaline's going nuts. You know what I mean. Your mind's on fire. You're trying to think of what trick to do or whatever. So he did the best trick he could. You know what I mean? Like, I think to uh, ask him to do some kind of mental calculus to figure out, all right, who, you know, who did what on this area, blah, 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 in that situation is like, like crazy. You know what I mean? And Arto, he, Arto just did like a stock trick on a rail and he kickflip into it in a contest 10 years later. So I don't really see what the big deal is. Anyway, Arto was like 90% washed in that part anyway. So I don't really see, you know, it's like, wow. <laughs> I, I would say it was definitely late career Arto. <laughs> like, whatever, whatever, you know, 
pseudo deep connections people had to that video part i didn't quite get because you know he had better video parts maybe maybe that's not the whole oh yeah i mean yeah totally transcendent like sorry exactly even like yeah totally fucking transcendent you know legendary but um yeah, like, who's going around saying, like, Arto's part in Minefield is your favorite radio party of all time? You know what I mean? But, you know. You, you want to step in on that, Templeton? Or? <laughs> oh, I'm sure somebody is saying that. I mean, I, I'm always surprised that people hold Minefield up as, like, a, you know, iconic video. And I think it's just about timing because I actually wrote the review for Minefield in the skateboard mag. And I'm mad jealous. I wanted that one. Man, I I wish you had because I didn't have anything to say about it really because I was just like, you know, the shadow of uh, photosynthesis just loomed too large over it. And I I didn't really appreciate Minefield at the time, so that's my bad, my short sightedness. <laughs> I actually had I had that same situation except like slightly different. I got that crooked video naughty to to do a write up on, and I totally didn't get it at the time and. Uh, but I think they gave you like 600 words and I filed like 350 and two years later after, after I did that, that was one of my favorite videos cause it just clicked, but that's neither here nor there. Um, yeah, it's, it's a tempest in a teapot in a lot of ways. And I think it's kind of, it, it's hit or miss. It is in fact, Buster bail <laughs> when it comes to your opinion, because it's like, I, I can see, I can see if that Arto part had like, a lot of resonance with you that somehow again like no disrespect to alex midler but like he's kind of a like what is he i'm not trying he's, to diss him he's not the man that's like a fair way of saying it you can say arto is the man to some people alex yeah. midler is likely not anybody's favorite pro skater maybe yeah, i'm wrong and I, i'm probably I, wrong I I think it's fair to say that you know he's he's probably of a smaller stature than Arto, so just that kind of like usurpation of tricks probably got some people going. But it, it's just a strange situation because I wouldn't even think of that double kink. I know you pulled up the name Robert Frost Middle School. I, I think I like went through there on some trip out west, and it was kind of like, oh, cool, yeah, some dudes did some tricks here. But like, it, it's just an odd combination of like. A dude who's not necessarily the man doing a trick at a at a spot, but like it hit some people super hard, and others it's like we don't get it, and maybe maybe that's the whole situation. Are we getting any closer here? Yeah, I think kind of like what I was getting at earlier is like Minefield is an iconic video for some people, so that back lip, you know, is iconic in some people's eyes. So for Midler to one up it, and Midler being a a skater of lower standing than Arto, you know, it's like offensive to them. What of the other side of the argument where it it's kind of stripped of context, but it's like, hey, dude did a sick trick. Enjoy it for what it is. Like, does yeah, that play it, with you guys? exactly. Like, what what would the people have him do? Like, just a different trick. You know what I mean? Like, I don't get it. It seems like it's being blown way out of proportion, but. I don't know. I think the problem is the kickflip backlip makes you think of the backlip. Yeah. Whereas if you did a kickflip front board, there's no other reference point. Yeah, true. And I guess that's that's the rub. And when there's a reference point, it makes you think 
was Midler aware of that reference point and what was he trying to say with like was he trying to communicate something with that kickflip back lip other than I'm really good at kickflip back lips you know was it like maybe some people felt it was like aggressive towards Arto or like I don't know I'm the new Arto which I, <laughs> nah, nah. I don't think that's that's how it is I, I think it's yeah just simple math on Midler's part is like I'm trying to win this money. I know how to do kickflip back lips real good. I'm going to do a kickflip back lip. And Arto is probably not anywhere near his, his mind. It is a sneaky good point that like a kickflip front board ruffles no feathers. And yeah, I think like I hate to hammer the point of like who's the man versus, you know, whatever. Midler's 21, but he's been around for like a decade plus. And so he's kind of kind of probably stuck in like former kid star zone too but like i think it just does come down to like you know comparisons of guys and maybe imagined affronts it's a weird one what do we think that uh contests like these do the spots where they're held at i know they've they've done them at clipper they've done a couple ones at wallenberg where else that big old 16 stair that was or wasn't a spot prior to it like does yeah, it they did one in atlanta at a big uh big five uh, in atlanta yeah where someone uh i guess hit almost died pretty much like hit their head real bad or something i don't know at that, that one triple set or like big four set in atlanta or some shit they've done a bunch of them it did one of like the uh san diego sports arena triple set like oh, on, the, yeah. on the other side from the double set from the plan b videos and shit i'm kind of like of two minds with buster bale i think it's rad to see people just have a clear run at these spots you know it's like when you go out street skating you always got to worry about security or this weird crack or like oh shit the spot's knobbed now but thrasher just takes all that away builds a perfect run up and you can just fucking skate and it's cool to see people just fucking go nuts. And it's really impressive to see what people can throw down, you know, when the pressure is on. Yeah, but at I the mean, same time, it kind of, like, blows out the spot, you know? Like, they're, they're rifling off kickflip back lips down this kink rail, and you can't go there next weekend and, like, be happy with your feeble grind or something. Yeah, I mean, that's kind of depressing. Like, they took the knobs off, and then they're putting them back on. Just seems like mad depressing, bro. And like they had the whole thing where like there were like crowds of like civilians and barricades, so it was like an event, so they probably had to get porta potties or whatever, because you always <laughs> have to do because you always have to do that when there's this type of event. So I don't know. That that part's kinda weird, but I think it counts. Like I give him credit for doing the trick. Like it's it might not be as cool. As doing it like in an actual video part or some shit, but like he did it. Like I wouldn't put an asterisk attached to it at all. Yeah, certainly he did it. What would, how would you guys feel if uh, Kevin Bradley went out there and kickflip backlipped it in his next video part? No permits, no crowds, just he and Strobeck. Oh yeah, well that that would be super sick, of course, because like, well, we'll we'll talk about Kevin Bradley later. Like, I I made some you know I made some notes about him in the next section, but like, 
Yeah, it'll be like just way cooler. Like you know, co- contests are important in the culture. Like they always have been. It's fun. You get to see people you haven't seen in a while. Like shoot the shit or whatever. You know, that's one thing. Video parts are another thing. It's like where the skater like uh, expresses himself or whatever. That's like their their album. You know what I mean? Totally. To use a metaphor. So you know, it's just kind of like apples and oranges. Is mean like I think people are like making way too much of it. It's it was a contest. He was trying to get win some money, make a name for himself or whatever, do the best trick he could. You know what I mean? That's it. Like, you know, I don't think he was trying to one up Arto, especially, especially when Arto basically did like a stock trick ten years ago. I mean, like, come on, dude. You know what I mean? But that's just my opinion. That's that's definitely something that has me scratching my head. Like, how does like one guy get so linked to the spot? I mean, kickflip, backflip backlip it's not like it's not like i don't know it's not like somehow going and trying to one-up mariano with a very very specific tech trick you know did uh you know were, were hackles raised when gerwer directly one up to the gons by kick flipping wallenberg but oh yeah no i mean there's you, a million, you know what yeah. I mean? there's a million examples like when uh chad muska like 50 50 the gons rail no one said shit it was just like oh you know whatever that's tight so Right, but those both of those situations are pure street skating, right, 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 and yeah, it's also just yeah. part of skateboarding evolving, and yeah, like yeah. that's just kind of like where it's going. Where I feel like Buster Bale is kind of like uh, pushing skateboard evolution. You know, it's yeah, like yeah. clearing all the barriers out of the way to just stripping it down to just skating, which is cool. And like seeing that a kickflip backlip down a kinked handrail is possible in this contest setting, it's probably opening doors for a kickflip backlip on a kinked rail in somebody's video part, probably in Midler's video part. Um, so it, it opens doors, and that's cool. Do you, do you think you could run this kickflip backlip that we're talking about in whatever his next video part is? Would that be legal? No, absolutely not. No, you can't run contest footage in a video part in this day and age. I think in the hands of the right editor, you could run it with another kickflip backlip. Okay. Like if he did a better kickflip backlip or something like that, like, and this was used in the edit as like a kind of like a red herring or like, you know, a reference. Like, we all know you're thinking about this kickflip backlip. <laughs> Look at this kickflip backlip. Um, so I, I think handled artfully, it could work. Um, handled artfo, artofully. <laughs> artofully. Hey-o. I guess there's 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 kind of precedence for at least I'm thinking of one contest handrail trick, the beginning of Jamie Thomas's uh, Welcome to Hell part. He did have his backside fifty fifty from the original Extreme Games oh, Rhode God. Island edition. Yeah, that that contest was so corny, dude. <laughs> I wonder what what the thinking was behind that because I always I always felt like it was some kind of a like not. It wasn't about the trick. It was about the whole setting and like this is like a side of skateboarding, but then it goes into the video part and like this is like the real shit because it's kind of in the intro, right? Yeah. Yeah. So it's yeah, it's, it's like not in the video part. Like, well, proper. it's like it's like Gershon doing the front lip and then it cuts to the chief backside grind. You know, it's straight out straight off the ESPN reel and then it goes into like 
you know, this is the gnarly real shit I am pushing across this bridge and I'm about to brutalize skateboarding. So, yeah, I think it was like a, I think it was a compare contrast thing, but I don't know. Interesting that he threw it in. Yeah, for sure. So, yeah, I mean, handled Arto fully. Uh, the contest footage. I apologize. Can, uh, can stand in the video part. Uh, we're, ha- we're having pun now. <laughs> God. On the, on the podcast. Next right. topic, I'm tapping out like Carl Anthony Towns. <laughs> Shit. Good callback. Do we have anything else on that? I, I, I guess I do wonder, though, like, the the clearing away of all barriers, the denobbing of knobs. You got some porta potties. You got the <laughs> the medic. You got the medic in the golf cart. Like, I, I think that skateboarding is pretty well aligned against like Steve Barra making a fake spot. But where does building the spot and trying to make it look real, like where where does it get where does it blur into? the perfectly facilitated contest at an actual spot. Like, it seems like they're on the same continuum, but maybe I'm wrong. The thing about the Steve Barra fake spots is that it was uh, deceptive. Like, he used, like, the the brick paneling or whatever. Like, he, he, like, made signs, like, you know, deliveries here and shit. He was, it was disingenuous. He was construct fabricating something to mm. appear to be an actual spot. When in fact it wasn't, and this shit is just like a contest. Yeah, I think that's a good good delineation of the of the things. Yeah, and for me, like as far as doctoring spots, making spots skatable, it's like I'm I'm down for whatever you can get away with. So if you can film it in a way that I don't know that you put plywood on the run up, like that's fine. But I personally, I fucking hate it when people have like plywood or a sign on the landing. You know, like the handrails on the edge. And they put like a little sheet of plywood um, over the edge so they can like land where the grass is. And you, nine times out of ten, when they land it, they didn't need that landing pad anyway. But it just looks super shitty to me. So don't do mm. that. I'm just trying to remember. I think in Arto's part, there, he didn't use plywood. I think he just ran and jumped. Am I right? Or for the back lip? Or yeah, yeah. I don't remember. Me neither. Well, we'll link to Arto's minefield part in the show notes so you guys can uh, check for yourselves. <laughs> so, Mike, what do you think of Buster Bale? Yay or nay? That's a good question. I think I'm generally yay. And, uh, you know, a part of that affirmation is that, like, it did raise some interesting questions this time around. Just like, you know, biases of who's doing what tricks. And I think... You know, I think I, I, I tried to be cheeky and like tweet something about nobody had a strong opinion about things and these things until Alex Midler got tangled up with like late career Arto. But it, it does raise interesting questions about like, you know, what makes what makes a trick real and where these things actually fit within the skateboard culture. I do wonder if a little bit of it was like, a you know, if there is some actual pushback against these types of events and like Thrasher's ethos of like grind further ollie from higher you know the gnarlier the gnarlier all the time like maybe it's worth wondering if like the time and the place for that type of contest is is kind of waning or you know if it's like going away as far as cultural significance or just making sense in things yeah i think like phelps was missed at this kind of event like 
You know what I mean? Like yelling at everybody, yeah. hitting people's board when they're in midair, like mid trick, like all that kind of shit. Like I feel like his energy kind of made that type of event. So yeah, he's pretty sorely missed with this type of shit. Yeah, I think Thrasher is still finding their feet as far as uh, their event MC. Jason, what are your thoughts on Buster Bell? Are you yay or nay? No, I fuck with it, dude. As far as like contests go, like like I said, like contests are important for the culture. Like there's still a bunch of different heritage spots, so to speak, that they could you know fuck with. Like the pit, you know, what I mean, if they dig out the pit, that would be <laughs> insane. Like the barrel banks, if they like move the benches or whatever type of shit they have there, like the pipe at the bottom of them, that would be insane just from like a nostalgia perspective. So yeah, I, I fuck with it like as a as a contest concept. Yeah, I do too. I like it. As I mean, as much as I feel like it kind of kind of almost ruins the spot, but it, it seems like they pick spots that are uh, you know set to be ruined anyway. Although. If they end up doing it at the pit, I'm A, going to go, B, going to enter the contest. So, <laughs> Sick. I'm claiming it right now. Well, one person we're definitely not going to see at the next Buster Bail is Jake Johnson, who did show up in two different clips this past week. He may be the last of the elusive pro following the mold of Tom Penny and Gino Iannucci. Has Instagram made it impossible for the next generation to have their own elusive pros, Jason? I don't think so. I think there's some guys out there that still fit that mold, like uh, Kevin Bradley. We kind of talked about him before. He has whatever crazy Instagram following, but most of the shit on his feed is party shit anyway. But when he comes out with some skate footage, it's always like fucking transcendent. And kind of like in Jake Johnson's case, sometimes like his best shit is a, like random thrasher edits. Like, for example... The shit he had in that, like, I don't know, I don't know what island it was, like Majorca or Malaga or Sicily or one of those fucking places. His oh, shit in the like Grands Island. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Grands Island. Island. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, his edit. his footage in there was better than his footage in Blessed, I think. So just kind of that level of you know just not giving a fuck and just skating, and if your best footage is where it is, you know that's kind of where it's at as far as that goes. So. But yeah, I watched both of those Jake Johnson videos getting ready for this podcast. And it, it was it's sick that he just lived in some like college town to skates whatever. And then he, he built like I what what's the story? Like he built like a DIY in the backyard of some uh abandoned fraternity house or some shit. That's pretty funny. Man, I don't I don't know the story there. But as far as elusive pros, yeah, Kevin Bradley is the the modern uh version that I came up with. As like a dude who's like, and you know, pops up randomly, but not too often. And every time, it's like a fucking treat. Yeah, I think I'm trying to think. Like he had a the skateboard mag, maybe a new jack, or or you know, he had some am feature on him. And it feels like it feels like that was like ten years ago. And I'm trying to Google how old the guy is now. But yeah, he's he's okay. I he's think- only 24. No, oh, I thought he was 21. Like, I thought he each had a birthday, but yeah, I guess he's 24 or whatever. But yeah, it's like, in a weird way, yeah, there's there's more there's more access to skaters. There's more, like, up-to-the-minute updates on what they're doing. But I feel like the way that, you know, the, the uh, for sure the print media game is going away. You know, I'm trying to reference some old Kevin Bradley interview. 
that is really old. You know, the magazine that it was in ain't around anymore. Like, as that stuff disappears, we kind of know less about these dudes, but we also can see a lot more of them. It's like a weird... I think whoever our elusive pros of the future are going to be, like, it's going to be on different terms than... Or maybe not different terms, because I can't think of a Tom Penny interview, like a Q&A. But I feel like, you know, the terms moving forward are going to be different the way it plays out. Like, it's going to be guys with their their clips spread over like 15 different edits and you might be able to cobble together a really banging part but yeah i think the model is just kind of changed you know it used to be magazine coverage video part and now it's like there's only one magazine and then you know not that many people can get coverage in there and then it's just instagram clips and sprinkled around and you know maybe i follow this guy and not that guy and i didn't see this trick or whatever and it's just it's all so disjointed now. You know, I could think that somebody is elusive, maybe to me, but to somebody else who follows the right people, uh, the guy's like up in their face every day. I guess it all comes down to like how dudes want to curate their footage. You know what I mean? Like, uh, obviously, the classic elusive pro is a guy who would come out with like, you know, a part maybe five years, but it would be, you know, like a life changer. But uh, yeah, like, with Instagram and shit, like it all comes down to like however you want to curate your footage. And I think as as long as you have like I don't know the way that the game is these days, if you have a shoe sponsor, like if you're on Nike or Adidas, you can kind of like curate your shit and kind of do whatever you want, I suppose. Yeah, I think also it kind of comes down to when when those clips do show up, they got to be good. But there's plenty of people out there, you know. I'm kind of thinking about Jason Dill, who are like you know elusive, but also when they put shit out, it's like, man, you peaked, dude. Like, <laughs> yeah. And I mean, you know, Dill is, uh, you know, late career or like end of his career as a pro skater. So I, I can't expect too much from the guy. See, whatever. Yeah, it must have been an FA edit came out this year, this summer. I thought he looked good in it. But then I started talking to people about it. and Maybe you guys, present company included, like people thought he looked stiff. People thought he was, you know, not basically that he didn't look all that comfortable on the board. So I guess I'm going to have to disagree on that. I don't know. I, I Dilla is like he's he's like the boss now. He's like the, the Tony Sopra- Soprano guy over there. Like they're not really focusing on his skating. Like, you know, what I mean, like but like Ave. For example, sometimes Ave will come out with an Instagram line or whatever, and you're like, holy fuck, dude, this dude's still, like, tearing ass, like, on ledges and shit, you know? So that's tight. Yeah, every bit of Van Anglin footage is a treat. Yeah, maybe maybe looking back at, like, your guy Mariano or even Gino, where, you know, the guys would go for long stretches and not have anything and then, like, put out something that was really good. I think it's, like kind of kind of a two-pronged thing where i think we can safely say like those stretches happen because those dudes weren't skating at that at those points in time but they were so good they were so good that like you know they could come back and i think that just like the 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 speed of skateboarding skateboarding wasn't moving at the at, at, at the pace that it is now like i'm not sure that a the way things you know, except for a couple of companies, I don't think that dudes can get away with not skating, you know, very much for three years and then maybe putting a couple of years in and coming out with a really transcendent part. But I, I know for sure that like, and, you know, 
taking into account Templeton's point about just like who you follow and who you don't like guys that really fall off the map. I, I straight up forget about them. Like I know there's a lot of Jake Johnson fans and or stands, but um, <laughs> I forget about the dude, honestly, because, you know, if he's going to have like four clips in a maybe a converse edit, <laughs> seemed like they, they, they were trying to trick me about whether or not that was a converse edit. But, um, you know, if he's going to have some shit sprinkled in a converse edit every eight months, it's like, OK, oh, Jake Johnson again. Yep. Still rips. Still really good. But I forget about people. No, nah, but like. Jake Johnson's kind of different, I think, because he has that kind of, like, cult following, especially amongst, like, kids that are, like, whatever, kids, I'm saying, whatever, people that are, like, 25 to 35, for whatever reason, like, right. his, his earlier part, it's kind of like Guy, where, like, his earlier parts made such an impact that he has that kind of cult following. Wait, quick Jake Johnson story. Yes. There, there used to be this uh, foundation, like, DIY spot here in Richmond called Hippoland. R.I.P. Yeah, RFP Hippoland. It don't ask why it's called that. It's a it's a stupid story. There was like a really basically like an imaginary hip there. But anyway, one day I was skating there and there was a dude, he was like kinda of tall or whatever, and wearing all black, was totally like ripping, you know what I mean? So next day or whatever, I was talking to my friend Clem. I was like, Yeah, there was this dude at Hippoland today who was like fucking ripping. He was like tall, you know. Uh kind of skate like Jay Johnson. And Clem was like, Nah, dude, that was Jake Johnson. I was like, Oh fuck. That's awesome. Yeah, it was because like, I think he used to because there's another foundation spot in Asheville. So Pete, I think he might have like, you know, what I mean, going down there, like travel a lot or whatever. But yeah, that that was pretty tight. That's sick. And he was good in person. Oh, yeah. To- yeah ripping. Yeah, totally good in person. But yeah, that was like must have been fucking like nine or ten years ago. Shit, maybe more. Hippoland is long gone. Yeah, RIP yeah. that spot. Damn. Good times. Look. But um, yeah, like as far as like the guys and Genos, yeah, they, they basically just like whatever partied, whatever. Then someone called them like Tim Dowling called them. He's like, oh, let's go film. He was like, okay, you know, and then he just made like his mouse part, which is insane. And yeah, pr- probably couldn't get away with that now. I don't know. Is Pat Burke a, an elusive type? You know, like he—he's one who kind of disappeared, and we maybe thought we'd seen the last of him. Especially somebody like, you know, I follow Pat and know know people in his orbit, so I kind of uh, saw his return. But I—I I could imagine that other people might have forgotten about him, and you know, he could—he could qualify as an elusive type pro. I think so, man. Like. For whatever he had, like, kind of like a cult following after the you know the whole slave thing or whatever, and the response to his uh his part in the bus crew it was so you know was so intense. So yeah, I think so, man. I think he had that kind of following. There's also like a bunch of East Coast dudes that are like super good that don't really get any coverage. Like uh, for example, like Kevin Coakley, who was awesome and really stylish, and Ron Daly. Or Daly, yeah, Ron Daly, who I don't know what I haven't seen any coverage of him for a while, but he's like another like super stylish, like looks good as shit on a board type of guy. So yeah, there's a bunch of like East Coast dudes that like if you follow that subgenre are, you know, somewhat elusive. They're pretty elusive. Yeah, Ron Daly, Red Bull and Zoo York. <laughs> did he ride for like did he get shoes from Etnies or something? Like Zoo York made 
made a company in a way out of having like their prestige dudes like Zared and Chaz. And then they seem to somehow have this like farm system that brought up dudes like Daly, who was really fucking rad, but like came out of nowhere ripping and, you know, he's back to nowhere. Evidently should track him down on IG and see if he's assuming he's still ripping. Cause you just don't like lose how good that dude was. But yeah, oh, that's, yeah. That that's definitely it seems like a more at least in more modern times, like a more East Coast thing where these dudes can get lost in having actual lives, like not in California, if that makes sense. Like you just do other things or maybe have a job to be able to live out there as opposed to just, you know. Yeah, like on the especially on the East Coast, like with the winter, like you, you have to do something else with your life during that time. So yeah, people that are like mad good will like disappear. Then you see them skating like five years later and they're still ripping, blah, blah, blah. So, yeah, that might be more of an East Coast thing, possibly. That's a good theory. Yeah, it seems a little easier to just fade away on the East Coast. But maybe that's my East Coast bias. East Coast bias. You are a transplant. <laughs> An Eastern man in a Western land. <laughs> I am. <laughs> uh, well, I'm stoked to be uh, on the West Coast now. <laughs> as a transition to uh, the end of our show where we talk about what we're stoked on. Uh, Mike, what are you stoked on this week? I am trying to take a take a page out of Templeton's playbook and, well, A, prepare something, and B, not just talk about random skate shit this week. So I am stoked this week on a Radio Lab story that I heard that was picked up on this past week's On the Media public radio program. It was about editors and journalists at cleveland.com trying to figure out whose requests to take up from people who had stories written about them whether they'd you know been convicted of a crime or you know just shown up because they were charged with something or basically they did something stupid made the news and then they were petitioning the news organization to either take their name down change the story somehow make it so that like this screw up from the past wasn't looming over their lives. And um, it's a good listen just from the point of view of how like news is made and some of the decisions that go into it. I was particularly interested in it. And the reason I'm stoked on it was because in my previous job, like in the last couple of months, I had uh, actually the, the son of a news story subject call me up wanting us to take down a story. And uh, I, in the end did not, But, uh, you know, I had like some lengthy and contentious phone calls with the dude trying to hash out the reasons why, you know, it should stay up. And he wanted it taken down and he made some good points. But, uh, yeah, interesting questions about, you know, a right to be forgotten. And, yeah, just what, you know, the lasting effects of news value and the value of information to the community and all that. So that's what I'm stoked on. Jason, what are you stoked on this week? So that's like. A podcast, Radio Lab. Radio Lab, uh, both Radio Lab and On the Media are WNYC public radio shows. So yeah, Let's you can see. definitely. Uh, I get yeah, you can find them on the on the internets, I suppose. Well, uh, recently, I'm I'm stoked on a collaboration between the number one truck company, uh, Venture Trucks, out of San Francisco, California, and. The number one skate shop in New York City, Labor. I feel like a whole bunch of new shops have uh, popped off in the past few months, but Labor's 
pretty much the best one. It's the one I fuck with when I go there. Uh, they came out with a little edit and a little collaborative truck. So I was stoked on that. Also, uh, pretty stoked on Call of Duty Modern Warfare. Been fucking with that. So if you play it, hit me up on the Twitter or the Instagram with your Activision, like R Circle, C Circle, TM ID, and I'll probably play with you. And I'm not on there that much, but it's pretty tight, pretty psyched on it. So have you I don't shot th- up any of our listeners yet? I haven't shot any of our listeners yet. No, I haven't. Uh, no, I haven't shot. I haven't shot them or blown them up with a with a grenade yet. But <laughs> who knows? Maybe this weekend. Sick. Slide into Jason's DMs to uh, to, play, <laughs> to get play, shot up. Play, to play fucking call to get shot up or fucking team up to shoot some other fucking people. I'm just gonna chime in with a bit of trivia. The owner of uh, Labor, James. He's a Milwaukee dude, Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Knew him way back in the day. He's a wiskate.com head. So, uh, yeah, Midwest, East Coast. Wow. Um, Templeton, what are you stoked on this week? I am stoked that there's a new spot in town, a new skate spot. Oh. Uh, yeah, they redid this high school, and um, there's a bunch of ledges. There's like three or four spots at this school and I went and skated on Saturday and it was like everybody that I know that skates in Portland was there. So it was really rad to just see everybody. The weather was beautiful. We skated a little bit, chilled out in the grass and watched other people skate. Uh, it's just such a rare good time when there's a new spot in town and everybody's there. Everybody's excited. That's what I'm stoked on. Hopefully, I get to skate it this weekend, and it's you know just as fun. That sounds awesome, and that's a really good point. That that like yeah, that fresh spot, and it's still working, and everybody's showing up. Damn, jealous of that. Yeah, damn. All right, well that's our show for the week. Uh, but you can catch us online uh, on Instagram or Twitter. Jason, where can the people find you? On the Twitter. At Carbonite1994 on the Instagram, at Frozen Carbonite, and writing shit for quartersnacks.com. The results of the best parts of the decade and best videos of the decade are coming up pretty soon. So check for that. That's going to be some pretty tight content. For sure. Uh, Mike, where can the people find you? Both on Twitter and Instagram at mmunzenrider. Um, and I want to I want to add one thing I'm stoked on since we're just going long on it. Sure. I, I, I skated outside and it was fucking cold, but <laughs> I got a clip that involved going over a light post and I hit my back and my like lower back slash butt on it. And for the first time in a long time, I got a big like shiner on one of my butt cheeks and I'm stoked on that. You can leave that. So there, in. there you go. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. I'm. I'm going to link in the show notes to your mini video part. Oh, no. I'm also stoked <laughs> on that. Templeton, what what are your uh, Instagram and Twitter handles? You can find me on Instagram at Mostly Skateboarding, uh, which also is like the account for the show. So follow that um, for show notes and uh, cat videos sometimes. 
Uh, and you can find me on Twitter at mostly skate for um, yeah, just talking shit about skateboarding. So we'll see you on the internet, and we'll hear you next week. <laughs> <laughs>